You're listening to Driving Law, a podcast by Kyla Lee about all things related to the rules of the road. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Driving Law. I am Kyla Lee from Acumen Law Corporation. And have you ever wondered about how much information your car is storing and collecting about you? Where you go, what you do, what you eat, how fast you drive, when you stop, what your physical condition is like when you drive? Well, I didn't wonder that much about it until reading the Connected Cars report uh, from the BC Freedom of Information and Privacy Association. And let me tell you, it blew my mind. There is a lot of information that cars are collecting and a huge gap in regulation and rules restricting the ability of car companies to get this data about you. So joining us on the podcast today, we're very excited to have him is Vincent Gogolek, who is the author of the Connected Cars Report. He's going to talk about some of the findings, some of the work that's being done, some complaints that have been filed, and what it is that can actually change and how it's changing in relation to cars and your privacy. So uh, without further ado, here is Vincent Gogolek. Thank you very much to Vincent Gogolek, uh, the researcher, head researcher and author of the 2019 update to the Connected Car Report and former executive director of the BC Freedom of Information and Privacy Association for joining me on the podcast to talk about the report and uh, other issues related to the intersection of privacy law and driving law. Welcome. Hi. <laughs> um, so how, I guess I'll start by asking you, Vincent, how did you come to be working on this uh, connected car issue? Well, it started a long time back when, uh, when I first started seeing ads about uh, how helpful um, the, the very first of these, these interactive uh, uh, technologies were. Um, it still exists. It's uh, GM's OnStar program, and you would have the commercials would run, and uh, somebody would uh, lock their keys in the car, or wouldn't be able to start, or they'd pull over on the side of the road, and uh, you'd get a, a, a voice would come through the the speaker saying, "Mr. Johnson, are you okay?" Uh, I uh, notice that you've uh, suddenly pulled over. Oh, I'm out of gas. Can you send, you know, a, a truck with a can of gas for me? Yes, we can certainly do that. And you have a nice day. And, you, of course, your first reaction is, wow, that's great. You know, you run out of gas or, you know, the car flips over and suddenly you've got somebody there able to, to do something to help you. Then you think about it a little longer, you know, so what else are they listening to? How do they know how to do that? What's going on with this, with this technology? And of course, as uh, you know, that was back in the 90s. And since then, of course, the electronic technologies have just accelerated. Mm-hmm. And so we, we thought, uh, I think this is probably about 2013, where uh, we were trying to, we thought, you know, we, somebody really has to, take a look at this in terms of our privacy rights. 
what are they doing? How are they doing it? Are they are they compliant with the law? What's going on here? And uh, we applied. The uh, federal privacy commissioner has a uh, uh, something called the contributions program, which is which funds independent research outside of their office on topics that they think are important. And they were they were kind enough to give us funding to uh, to do the report, the the original report. Which was which was groundbreaking. When when did you do the original report? What year was uh, that? It came out in 2015. Okay. In March of 2015. And you've updated it annually since. No, this is the first update because oh, wow. we we put it out there and it got a got a very big reaction and uh, people were, were concerned about well what's going on with this uh, what's what what's happening and. We, we made a number of recommendations in the report, including for uh, specific regulations of the uh, connected car uh, field. Mm-hmm. And we weren't seeing progress. We thought, what we're seeing is, uh, you know, we're sitting at home watching um, whatever we're watching on TV, and we're seeing these ads, and the car ads come on, and They've got even more technology, uh, you know, and you, and you see this all the time because that's really what what the car ads are are all about now. Uh, it used to be, you know, you will be very manly driving your fire breather five hundred, and you know, women will find you attractive, and men will want to be like you, and whatever, whatever, you know, the way the way car ads used to be, and now it's all about. Yeah, and if you're not paying attention, the car will put the brakes on for you. Which, you know, uh, there's something to be said for safety with oh, those yeah. features. Well, that's the thing, and uh, a lot of accidents are caused by human error or impairment or whatever. So having technology able to intervene to... Uh, to uh, to, to reduce this and hopefully someday eliminate it. Well, this this is this is progress. This is a good thing. I mean, the carnage on on highways. It's we have we have uh, thousands of deaths every year, and so, if those are preventable, well, that's a good thing. But so at the what, same time, yeah. Um, what recommendations did you make in the original report? Well, the original one. Just. Uh, it open here. There were uh, there were five really. Um, okay, the first one is to establish data protection regulations for the connected car industry. Mm-hmm. So that would be uh, regulations quite apart from the general prov- provisions of uh, the personal information and protection of electronic documents act which is the main federal private sector um, privacy law um, the second one was to develop national data protection standards for uh, usage based insurance we we looked at that as well in terms of uh, um, the the technology behind that um, Three was involved privacy experts in the design stage of intelligent transportation systems, including connected vehicle research projects. 
uh, four was broken down into a, a few subheadings. Uh, generally, was to adopt privacy by by design principles, uh, including establishing a privacy management program, um, identifying and invo- avoiding unintended uses, and uh, being more open and uh, transparent as well as working with device manufacturers, application developers, data process to, to integrate controls and data minimization techniques. So those those were the recommendations from, from 2015. And do you have, you got an update for us on the progress? I'd say um, cynically. <laughs> not, not a lot. Yeah. Uh, there, there, have been de- there have been a number of developments and It'll be interesting to see how these. Of course, the, part of the, the developments are the uh, the advance of the technology, mm-hmm. which we which we've already discussed. And uh, actually, something I didn't mention is uh, in Europe, Volvo has said it announced it's going to be putting interior cameras and sensors in their cars that will be uh, able to detect intoxicated or erratic drivers. What about that? Yeah, and uh, if a driver does, and it will do things like vibrate the seat or flashlights, and if the driver doesn't obey the warnings, then the car could limit its speed, um, alert authorities, or slow down and park. And the uh, European Commission has said it will be looking at a mandatory installation of a number of the, these kinds of interactive safety measures by 2022. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty fast. Yeah, wow. that's, that's not a long way off. <laughs> so you have this, uh, so, so you're starting to go from the cameras outside the car to help you park and help the car park itself now, of course. Now you're going to be having cameras inside the cars to tell if you're uh, starting to nod off, if you appear to be intoxicated. Presumably they'll be using some form of uh, artificial intelligence to determine this. Do you have concerns about how that impacts people's privacy rights? Well, you're under... uh, the, the car is a place that traditionally it's it's one of the places we are we figure that we're in a bit of a bubble we're off by ourselves and or with whoever we're with in the car mm-hmm. and we're not under surveillance we're not being observed all the time because we're moving and uh, you know there are other people in other cars around us there may be police cars around us but they're not you don't have a police car running next to you, looking at you and watching what you're doing every second that you're driving. And what what restrictions like exist currently, if any, in Canada on the use of that information that cars are collecting about people? Because as I understand, they don't destroy that information. They retain it in the memories of the vehicles. I've had like certain data from cars collected for my clients in, in criminal yeah. cases. What like where what what limits the ability of car companies to do this? Well, there's a standard of necessity. It's basically governed by privacy law in terms of what they're doing. This is one of the problems that we found was that 
retention periods for 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 one thing were not um, specified. It was generally uh, we'll keep it for the purposes that we said we were going to collect this for as long as is necessary, and that's it. They a lot of times they don't the policies don't tell you how they're getting rid of it or when they're getting rid of it. And this is related to the sort of the, the major problem that underpins all this, which is that the purposes for which it's being collected, oftentimes it's very vague. So for, um, I'm just trying to find the uh, the actual The act, the actual uh, part of this, the the actual part of the report that where 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 because we looked at all the, at thirty six different <laughs> different privacy policies, and it, it's the very broad language that they use secondary uh, secondary purposes. Paul and I had talked about this a couple weeks ago on the podcast where there was a case involving a car company that believed that their cars were being purchased and then resold overseas, yep. and they uh, were yes. collecting the data from the GPS in the cars yep. to try and establish that the cars were no longer in Canada. I yep. thought, that's crazy. Like, they can have that power. Um, and you probably sign it away when you buy the car to well, track where it is. Well, and that's that's part of it. Um, that purpose might be legitimate because if they're concerned about theft of the car, because if it's uh, somebody puts down um, hundred dollars down and uh, you know two ninety nine a month and drive away in a new fire breather five hundred today, <laughs> and somebody does that and it's in Dubai, they 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 go and they pick it up at a uh, dealer in Vancouver drive it down to a container and it gets loaded on and it's in Dubai a week, you know, uh, three weeks later. Well, everybody's everybody's out and that costs it because it's theft. Right. So if they can track it down, well, um, I think that would probably be a legitimate purpose. But this is, this is, the, this is where you, uh, if they have, you know, some reason to believe that the thing is being uh, you know, it, 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 is the car or is it not in in this country? <laughs> it's, um, where where it gets interesting in terms of privacy is uh, following you around mm-hmm. because the cars are always collecting information and it's going to the manufacturers and then often to third parties, sometimes for marketing purposes. Um, Sometimes for uh, for for data data connection, uh, you know, or, or or amalgamation of of the data that is being uh, collected. So, one of the one of the examples that uh, that I've been using for a while is you're in the minivan and you're heading out toward you know toward Chilliwa. You're 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 out on the Trans Canada. You're heading heading east and things totally connected you've got the kids in the back and they're watching little mermaid or whatever the movie's over 
and suddenly because company X, the car company X is a partner of Burger King, gee kids, suddenly they're getting a, a, an ad, gee kids, wasn't that a great movie? You've been driving a long time. You should, you know, you should tell dad that you want to have a, you know, whatever burger happy meal thing at uh, whatever because there's one coming up in it, there's one less than 10 minutes away at the next exit your dad or mom can just get you one of these right now and there's is there any way like to turn that off or is that one of your recommendations that people should have the ability to opt out well that's the thing is or or the requirement should be uh, you opt in right and a lot of times the way the consent is is done is if you use it you're consenting, and you're consenting to everything. So here, here's the purposes that we're using it for, and some of them can be, you know, a lot of them are legitimate. You know, like we want to monitor the car for, you know, maintenance purposes or... Sure, I want my car to tell or, or, me when it needs its next oil change. Yeah, yeah, and that's an advantage, and it, it helps, you know, and they can use that to... Uh, schedule an oil change or whatever with, with the dealer or however however they do it. So that can be a real advantage for, for, for people. But there's also the, the other marketing, that, and it's also the, the purposes can be, uh, you know, for our legitimate business purposes. Well, what isn't a legitimate business purpose? Mm-hmm. Um, it could be anything. Do you have any concerns about um, cars that are collecting that data and then are resold to third parties? Like, you know, I buy a car from a curber, um, and it's yeah. got all of whoever's data from yeah. the last owner in it. And and well, yeah, and and this is this is one of the this is one of the big issues because and it's also an issue for rental cars, right? Because if you go to the airport and you pick up a car, chances are pretty good when you plug your phone in, there's going to be a bunch of other people's contacts in there. Yes. Or, they, or their sat-nav, you know, taking them home. So you know who they are, you know what they've been listening to, uh, you know who they called, yeah. and you know where they went because they programmed it into the, into the GPS and, they, and it's all left there. And this is something that the uh, the rent-a-car companies have expressed concerns about. There's a re- report done by Privacy International in the UK talking about this, but we also heard from uh, Enterprise, and I think uh, one or two of the other rent-a-car companies uh, in the the Senate Transport Committee put out a report on this back uh, beginning of last year, I believe, 2018. Uh, talking about uh, about connected and uh, autonomous vehicles, and that's one of the things that they heard is that the rent-a-car companies find it difficult to to deal with this. They say the the, the, the manufacturers don't make this easy and intuitive. There isn't one big button they just push to delete. Right, and it would be why it scrub all information <laughs> from. From the uh, from the system, and presumably it would be easy for them to program that. 
Well, however easy or hard it is, I mean, that would, that's something that the manufacturers have to put on the cars. In order, for, because if the if large companies like like rent a car companies are finding this difficult to do, mm-hmm. and are and they're pointing the finger at the car companies saying, "Yeah, this takes a long time. This is a problem, and we need to have some sort of way of when we wash the car, we also wash." wash out all the information that the uh, the renter the previous renter had on there so it's all cleaned out I gotta say, or, 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 or you make it simple for, or you make it simple for them so that there's a a button somewhere where you just go or or the, the thing comes up on the screen says uh, you know you're returning your car um, do you want to uh, to to not delete your information off here. The information will be automatically deleted. Um, do you wish to save this information? I do presumably find it. I find it encouraging that the rental car companies are concerned about this. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it seems to be like a silver lining in the uh, in the dark clouds of of cars and your privacy rights. That at least these companies are saying, "Hey, this is a problem." Well, they're concerned about it because they're the ones renting out the cars. So there, there could be a question about who's who's the data controller, who, who's the, which is the European term. Who's uh, who's collecting this information? Is it the rent-a-car company? Right. If so, are they exposing themselves to liability? So they have they have questions about this, and then they don't have a, a simple way of uh, dealing with this because, of course, the people they have working the counter and working, you know, to get the cars ready for 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 customers, you know, they're not computer technology people. No, and they're not, and, you know, privacy lawyers either. No, but they they, you know, they're they're looking to turn these cars around really quick. You know, car comes in, it gets clean, again, you know, vacuum cleaned. Um, you know, new pine Free air freshener gets hung on it, or whatever. <laughs> um, they want to have. They, they'd probably be willing to do this, or presumably they would probably prefer to leave this up to just have this happen automatically, where you're return. You know, you're returning this. Uh, uh, you know, budget rent a car to budget at YVR. Um, do you wish? Uh, your your contact information information collected from your phone because things are now run it's basically through your phone a mm-hmm. lot of this you just plug it in and bluetooth and the rest of the technology takes it from there so it's not a whole separate system it, it's very highly integrated with what you have going on so so they would prefer to have something where it just happens automatically and it makes it easy for the renter. That way they can slough it off on us. You know, that, well, you didn't delete your information. It's just the button right there, the big red button, you know, on the screen. You just press it and your information's gone. You didn't do it. It's your problem. But the fact is that it's, it's complicated to do this. Right. So if, you, if, you're selling, if you're selling a car, you know, you're, you're going through the car, you're cleaning things up, you're taking your junk out of the trunk, mm-hmm. 
and presumably you would take the time to remove your personal information. So you might actually make the effort of figuring out how to do that. Of course, some of us are not very technologically savvy, and we might have a hard time. We might just say the hell with it, or we might say, "I think I did that," but we wouldn't really be sure. Yeah, well, I mean, I think about my grandpa when he stopped driving. I mean, he he sold the car to a family member, so it wasn't a huge concern. But the uh, um, the problem was that he would have no idea how to delete the data in his vehicle, and he was one of those people that replaced their vehicle every three years. So he had all sorts of technology in there that he never used that was collecting information about him. Yeah. Yeah, well, this is is the thing, and, uh, you know, this is supposed to be a consent-based system where we agree to this. But there's uh, very little um, uh, actual uh, consent. It's basically you accept it or you don't. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Sometimes sometimes you're able to say, well, I would really, I don't, I just won't use the GPS or I won't use Bluetooth. And people can make that choice. I will not use this. But a lot of the consent is implied. Well, even if you don't turn the GPS on, half the time the GPS still is paying attention to where you are. Yeah. And there, well, that's the thing. Is there's a whole lot of things running in the background. What, uh, so what work is currently being done, besides your, your report, um, what work is currently being done sort of at the legislative level or at the policy level in Canada to change things for the better? Well, there is a, a working group that has been, has been set up uh, after the, um, um, the Senate committee report. Mm-hmm. So that's going on now. The federal, the the privacy commissioner here in BC and the federal commissioner came out with uh, uh, guidelines on consent, which they put out at the at the end of last year, and those are available on their websites, uh, oipc.bc.ca, and um, oh, the federal the federal one is. Uh, uh, privacy privé, um, but people can check it there, and it's designed to uh, essentially make things more uh, that that the the organizations handling our personal information have to make things more um, consumer friendly. So some of the recommendations are um, make privacy information readily available in complete form and and emphasizing the key elements of the data involved. Allow individuals to control the level of detail they get in respect of privacy policies and when they get it. Clearly outline which collection use or disclosure is integral to the the provision of that product or service and provide individuals with distinct options to refuse consent. Um, Organizations should use a variety of communication strategies to explain their policies, uh, take the consumer uh, perspective into account, and uh, any changes to the privacy policy should require another uh, bunch of consent, and they should be prepared to demonstrate it. Okay. 
and uh, so so that that's 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 the privacy commissioners have set that out. So that that's um, and, and they it's a fairly extensive document, and that's how they will be interpreting consent, presumably when they have cases coming before them. Um, the federal government also introduced. Um, uh, this is the current federal government, something called their Digital Charter and Action Plan, which was reduced, introduced in May of this year. But it's more, it's a plan. It's not legislation. It's not regulation. Um, it has 10 principles for action on a variety of issues, and, uh, and it includes modernizing the privacy law. So including reforming consent and preventing bundling of consent into contracts, improving data mobility, so our ability to take data, our data that the car has collected on us and move it somewhere else to a different car company, presumably. Um, creating data trust to facilitate data share, incentivize use of codes or standards and improve enforcement, including providing the Federal Privacy Commission with order-making power, which he currently doesn't have. Right. So the Federal Privacy Commissioner can make, unlike in B.C., the, the Federal Commissioner can make uh, recommendations. Um, but can't actually order any organization to actually do anything. They have to go to federal court and start the whole thing over. Right. So it would be nice to see sort of a change that would allow them to compel the car companies to comply with the guidelines as opposed well, to yeah. say, this would be nice yeah. if you could please do that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you look at the attention that uh, our former BC commissioner, uh, Elizabeth Denham, that she got, she put, I think it was a 183 million pound fine on British Airways for security breaches. Oh, yeah. Well, as yeah, far as I'm concerned, Elizabeth Denham is like a badass bitch. <laughs> she's great. <laughs> well, she's, uh, and she's got a, uh, a bigger switch to uh, whip the crack. Yeah. Well, uh, even when Europe. she was the BC Privacy Commissioner, I thought her reports, I just, I, I, yeah. I'm a fan. I, I don't yeah. know if she knows she has fans, but she's got at least. Yeah, she knows she has fans. <laughs> she, knows she, she doesn't have an actual registered fan club, but. Uh, yeah, I, I I think for her it's doing the right thing mm -hmm. to protect privacy. She's been, always been very strong on privacy issues. So um, yeah, so so this would be something if our privacy federal privacy commissioner has sort of the powers that even the BC commissioner has. Never mind those that uh, they have in Europe. It's uh, that would get people's attention. But I think what, we, what we've been hoping for is that this will, this will come together because cars are very complicated. They're very expensive to develop and build. Like, all that technology doesn't come cheap. No. And once the thing is in place, once, the, once they get these systems designed, they have to run for years to, to be able to make back the cost. So we want to have we want what we want to see is the have the privacy protections baked in, you know, that have this built into the system so that our privacy will be protected. Now I want to go back to what you mentioned about sort of the 
toothlessness, I, I guess I would say, of yeah. the federal privacy commissioner. How, there's been a complaint filed. Um, yes. I believe by the BC Freedom of Information That's right. Association about cars collecting personal information yep. with the federal privacy commissioner. Yep. Is anything going to come of that? We shall see. <laughs> okay. Because, uh, of course, the commissioner has to decide whether or not to, to uh, conduct an investigation. Okay. Uh, I, I think there's a, a very good chance that he will because in his testimony on, on these issues, uh, he was asked about that, like, you know, what is Mr. Commissioner, have you investigated this? And he says, well, no, we haven't actually received a complaint on this. Well, now he's received a complaint. There you go. Put it in his court, and hopefully he can do something. And, and, you know, uh, I would assume that somebody in his position at least has some sway with government to create more laws around Well, it's also also the fact that he would, having the privacy commissioner's office, conduct an investigation, say, okay, we've looked at this in light of what the, the, the privacy law requires in Canada. And, yeah, this is kind of iffy. That's definitely not up to snuff. That, no, no, you shouldn't be doing that. Please stop doing this. And, no, you can't say, you know, we're collecting this stuff because it'd be really cool, and we like to, <laughs> and we're keeping it forever because... That's the way we roll. We might find a use for it one day. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's what happens. Is uh, yeah, and, and we don't know. That's the thing. Is we looked at the privacy policies. So in terms of how this actually runs in practice, in in real life, we don't know. We don't have any any kind of ability to conduct audits on cars. But we, we've noticed that there are problems just with what they say they are doing. And when we take them that if they say they're doing this, this is the way they're doing it, a lot of it is so vague that you can't tell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that the, the reason that they're kind of connecting it, how long they're retaining it, well, as long as necessary or subject to law. Really? That's, that's Which, if there's no laws, of, could be forever. Yeah, or if it's uh, it's just so wide open that it leaves a lot of questions. And your ability to opt out of this is is limited. If not non-existent. Or, 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 or non-existent. So, and that's something that you should be able to do. Because some of, some of this stuff makes sense. You know, then if you want GPS to be able to plot your route to uh, grandma's house, well, they've got to know where you are. So your locate you can't say no. Do not use my, my location and tell me how to get from where I am now to Grandma's house. Well, where are you? I won't let you tell. I, I won't let you know that. Okay. Well, we're not going to be able to do that. So it's the basic functionality of that technology. They need your location to be able to provide you with the service. But there's all kinds of other stuff that could be collected as well in terms of your location, where you go, where you stop, that is not related to uh, getting you to Grandma's house or other places you might want to go. Mm-hmm. And this is where you get back to the whole thing with the ads. You know, you're rolling on the Trans-Canada. And, Gee, you've been driving for a while. There's a Starbucks at the next exit. Do you want me to 
program that in for you? Well, I think even in the context of like, um, for, for my clients, like criminal investigations where the police get a production order for the data yeah. from the car, and all of a sudden you can see the entire movements of where your client was that day, um, yeah. and then that's used to build a criminal case against them. Yeah. And the idea that that could be scrutinized by numerous police officers, then by a court, without you ever consenting to that being given and obtained by way of a lower standard through a production order, to me, just, oh, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, that's the thing, is if the information is being collected, things can happen with that information. It's being collected for a reason. Some, some things we might not want to have collected or we don't... Um, the cheating spouse. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that's the other... It's not just criminal courts. It's also uh, civil. It's, it also relates to insurance. Yep. Um, well, ICDC is trying to use it now to determine your insurance rates. They're piloting projects that will, will monitor you in your car, how fast you're going, where you're yeah. going, and then determine your insurance rates based on that. Yeah, we we did a bunch of work on that. The the insurance part of it was actually fairly well regulated in terms of what they are using it for and data. This is back in 2015. We didn't look at the insurance this time uh, this time out, but because the insurance industry is so heavily regulated, uh, they they had much more controls on that information. Um, rather than uh, what the car companies themselves had. So right. they, but uh, there's the insurance, the, the issue of, ins- uh, you know, your, 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 your actual driving conduct. But there's also things like, especially in the states where they don't have um, government health care. So if you're saying that, uh, if you're saying I'm, totally healthy and my uh, uh, you know I or or if or if you're saying I, I've changed my diet as a result of my heart attack <laughs> and then and, you're going to the drive-thru <laughs> well yeah you know we noticed that uh, you spent about half an hour in the parking lot of Pierre's Putsin Palace <laughs> and you do that three times a week so we're not covering I really like for, their for what uh, yeah <laughs> Yeah, they have a great salad there. You know, a lot of jalapenos. Yeah, it really gets me going. <laughs> but uh, but but they would do that, and they would deny you coverage. Right. And then it would be up to you to say, well, wait a second, I've got my credit card bills. I go in there for their delicious salads. I do not order the super jumbo family-sized bucket of poutine and eat it by myself in the car. You're well, me actually, we have. Well, and of course, then they would check the cars inside the camera to check to see if you're awake or nodding or um, not paying attention to the road or whatever else they're doing, and they can see you sitting in the uh, in the driver's seat with a you know a spoon and a giant bucket of boots in. Well, uh, yeah, that would do you in. Yeah. All right. Well, this is—I mean, this is a, a sort of a huge area and a, a just mind-bogglingly unregulated amount of power that car companies have. And I—I I really do appreciate you taking the time to share your insights about all of this because it's—it's 
fascinating information that I don't think a lot of people even think about. So it's nice that you're well, opening your eyes. <laughs> people are concerned, though, because there was, uh, you know, there has been polling done by the uh, by the CAA, the uh, federal, the uh, Automobile uh, Association. Yeah, yeah, the the, the uh, can, yeah, and they do a national opinion poll, which we we cite in the report. And uh, they, the, some of the numbers here, 88% of Canadians believe the consumer should be able to decide with whom their in-car data is shared. Three, nearly three-quarters, 73%, are unaware that they had consented to the collection use of their data by their vehicle manufacturer when they purchased the vehicle. And that's a staggeringly high number. Yeah. And 83% of Canadians believe that clear, enforced rules are needed to protect their privacy and personal information when it comes to in-car data. So that's what the polling shows in terms of what what we as Canadians are, are, are thinking, and we, we want our privacy to be protected. Mm-hmm. But we're not, uh, I think people are just either not aware or, and they're not being made aware about this. Yeah, which is a problem in and of itself. Yeah. So it can be, uh, uh, it's a problem in terms of how is this, um, you know, how how are we going to do this in ways that people can do this simply? Mm -hmm. And some of the ways of doing it, you know, make it opt in. You know, instead of you have to opt out and the opt out is really complicated and hard to find and, you have to actually have some technical chops to be able to do it. No, you should just be able to do that. It should be in the owner's manual that you can do this, and here's how. Step one, step. Press this button. Two buttons will come up. You press the red one, and that will get rid of it. And then click uh, permit or whatever, but not, you know, go to screen six and then scroll to the left, and then hit the icon that looks like whatever, like like a stop sign or something. You have to make it so that people are able to have legitimate choices, are able to consent or not, and freely consent, and also to get uh, not be denied uh, services because they don't consent to massive uh, data collection. Wow, there's like so much to think about here. It's, I mean, you've actually opened my eyes to things I didn't even think about um, with respect to my privacy in vehicles. I am going to be very like cautious now when I get in my car <laughs> to leave yeah. here um, about what it is collecting about me and, and think more about that. So yeah. thank you for taking your time to come on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Well, it's a, it's a pleasure, Kayla. Thanks for having me. And how can people reach you if they want to find out more about privacy rights? Well, they can reach the BC Freedom of Information Privacy Association. Uh, the report is up on the website, so that's uh, fipa.bc.ca, uh, F-I-P-A dot B-C dot C-A. And that's up there. The The original report is, which is a uh, massive work, and then the uh, the update, which is about 35 pages, is, is up there as well, along with uh, various other privacy-related information and helpful hints and uh, tips on how people can protect their privacy.
Excellent. And if you want to know too about your specific vehicle, um, there's links in the report right at the end to the privacy statements for right. many major car manufacturers. So yeah. everybody should read their car's privacy statement <laughs> very closely. Yeah, T take a look at it and uh, you know call a company and or go to your dealer and just say what does this mean. Excellent. <laughs> and uh, hopefully they can give you an answer. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you to Vincent Gogolek from the BC Freedom of Information and Privacy Association for sharing his interesting and uh, troubling thoughts about uh, car manufacturers and the data that they collect. Um, if you have any questions about your own vehicle and uh, you believe your privacy rights have been breached, we can always help you. If you don't want to reach out to the BC Freedom of Information and Privacy Association, give us a call at Acumen Law at 604-685-8889 and uh, we will talk to you. And tune in next week to the Driving Law Podcast for another exciting episode.